What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. You can give Virginia directly a call at 303-257-6578 or visit them at DNVR Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, go Rams, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Give them a visit at DNVR Mortgage com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So check them out at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's Michael and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. But before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. And boy, this is a perfect time to check out MSU Denver Online. Now is the time to apply and register for classes with the spring semester starting in just over a month on January 19th. You can still get into MSU Denver Online and check out all they have to offer, including hundreds of classes and some hybrid options as well. And you can jump in and get your life turned around and get some education in just a month starting from now. So make sure to check out msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Currently trying to post my story on Facebook here. So multitasking in the morning, but other than that, I'm grand. (laughs) Well, Mace, speaking of multitasking, Justin Simmons seems to multitask in every single aspect of his life. I mean, he can do it all, of course, in all pro last year shooting for that Pro Bowl nod this year on the field. And this morning, he gets maybe the most prestigious honor of them all. He was nominated as the Broncos' Walter Payton Man of the Year for his outstanding leadership both on and off the field. This is one of – this is probably the award to get and the nomination to get uh, off the football field. And for a second year in a row, Justin Simmons takes this award home. Yeah, and uh, the significance of him getting it for a second consecutive time is 
is pretty profound. At least uh, getting it, getting the Broncos award for a second for a second consecutive time because the you know the other guys who've gotten to uh, to, to NFL Man of the nomination. Champ Bailey, Rod Smith, and Wesley Woodyard, and you basically have two, you know, two Ring of Famers, and then Wesley Woodyard, uh, kind of like Justin Simmons did, did an amazing amount of work in, in the community. The other thing that uh, comes into play here is that Justin Simmons has a real chance to be the league-wide Walter Payton of the year, and unfortunately, most of the time. The, even though it's for community involvement and uh, a stand-up leader in myriad ways, it usually goes to a guy who's also a star player, uh, you know, somebody who's playing an all-pro level, Pro Bowl level. So sometimes you see guys who are actually you know, the, the, who are the, the pillars, the apexes of community work who don't get traction for the league-wide award simply because they don't have they don't have they don't have that level of on-field prominence. Well, with Justin Simmons, he does. And of course, the other thing with Justin Simmons, he could you know, in addition to potentially being a Pro Bowler and All Pro this year, is that this year he has that flashpoint moment when he was one of the leaders of the Broncos uh, rally that they had um, in the wake of the George Floyd shootings. He was a community leader uh, down in Martin County, Florida, where he lives and, uh, and organized a rally down there before he came to Denver and was part of the Broncos rally and was one of the players who spoke over at Civic Center Park back in June. So given, given the, the climate, given his on-field performance, I think, Zach, there is a real chance here that Justin Simmons wins the league-wide award. I think so. And then that'll mean he has the Walter Payton Man of the Year patch on his jersey yep. for the rest of time. You know, uh, Drew Brees is the one that comes to mind that, that has that. But if you win that award uh, in the NFL, if you're the one chosen, and that is just a huge, huge honor. And Mace, it just makes Justin Simmons' price tag go even higher and get more expensive. And he's fantastic off the field, and he's proven again that he's fantastic on the field. So the question comes to Mace, is he just getting outpriced by the Broncos? I mean, what can the Broncos do to ensure that he stays? Because now there's another wrinkle, not just the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for two years in a row, but there's another wrinkle of Garrett Bowles getting a big contract with the Broncos to hang around. So does that make it even more difficult? What needs to happen for Justin to be around long-term? Well, I don't think Garrett Bowles is the hindrance to keeping Justin Simmons around that it might be, it might seem like on the surface because for one thing, Garrett Bowles has an incredibly friendly contract specifically in 2022, the Broncos, they're preparing for the potential of a $175 million salary cap in the 2021 season. Thus, Garrett Bowles' cap number next year is $5 million. Now, in future years, that changes. Uh, Garrett Bowles is going to make more on, on the back end in terms of cap number. His, it goes up to $21 million in 2022. 
18 in 2023, and then 20 million in 2024. And oh, by the way, there's dead money in each of those years. Uh, it's only $4 million in 2024, but the Broncos have a motivation to keep Garrett Bowles around for at least the next three seasons. What the Broncos are counting on by backloading the cap figures on Garrett Bowles' contract is they're counting on a quick revival of revenue and actually an expansion of revenue in 2022 the the next round of television contracts should be kicking in streaming contracts as well the broncos are expecting a revenue boost a lot of teams are expecting a revenue boost so i think one thing that you're going to see with a lot of these contracts that are handed out over the next few months is that they're backloaded with very low cap figures in 2021 especially if they do stick with that 175 million dollar cap figure there's been there have been rumblings that some teams would like to see the cap go up to 100 95 million for 2021 they're saying hey we're gonna have full stadiums in all likelihood in 2021 because the vaccine should be widely distributed in time for the nfl season so we're expecting a return to full revenue but you also have some owners who are saying no 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 that's the equivalent of an interest-free loan we don't want to give that to the players so they're we want it we love it at lower than 175 but we'll take it being at 175 so there are a lot of things that cut that are coming into play here and it's a environment right this scene but it does come down to this as always zach if the broncos really want justin simmons they can make the moves to keep justin simmons there are things they can easily do you're you're 100 right if they love justin simmons he can be a bronco regardless of garrett Bowles, regardless of the salary cap next year makes you broke it down uh, really well. And so, Mace, what do you think Justin is going to be looking for? Because we knew last year that the Broncos were willing to pay Justin Simmons, but they weren't willing to make him a top guy. And Justin wanted to be paid like like the top safety that he believes and know he knows he is. So what do you think that is, Mace? What, what do you think Justin is looking for? Do you think he's looking for top five, top three, number one? What do you think? Well... There are a couple of numbers that are in play on Justin Simmons that probably need to be discussed. One is $30 million. And I bring that up because there is only one safety in the league with a full guarantee on his contract of over $30 million. That is Washington's Landon Collins, who is playing on a $31 million guarantee. So I think Justin Simmons would like to see at least a $30 million guarantee. And the other number, and this is the one that uh, really could make it interesting. There are no $15 million a year safeties at present. The last big contract earlier this year, I remember Buda Baker getting that deal from Arizona. That took him to $14.75 million a year on a contract that runs through 2025. If Justin Simmons is an all-pro, if, and that would mean in back-to-back years, second-team All-Pro and first-team All-Pro. If he's a Pro Bowler, he should have been a Pro Bowler last year, and I, I'd be shocked if he's not a Pro Bowler this year. And let's say he's even a man of – like one of the last three for the man of the year. Zach, that's a $15 million a year equation. That, that's the sort of thing that combines to say Justin Simmons has a case to be the highest-paid safety in football. And Mace – he he's already he's already got that for for everything you said he's already there so anything else is just a cherry on top and I think that's exactly what Justin Simmons was looking for last year and it's certainly 
what he's looking for this year. And what did we find out in those contract negotiations from Justin uh, and, and John? That the Broncos weren't going to get a hometown discount on Justin Simmons. They certainly weren't. Uh, he wants to stay here, but he wants to stay here at the right price. And Macy, you mentioned Buda Baker's contract. Eddie Jackson of the Bears also got a contract this year. And those are the highest two paid guys. So I have a question, Mace. Uh, are Buda Baker and Eddie Jackson the two best safeties in the NFL? Uh, you can make a case. I mean, Eddie Jackson's sort of on the uh, kind of on a, on a similar track of Justin Simmons in that Vic Fangio's defense unlocked the best in him. Yeah. So do you think do you think they're the best? Is that why they're getting paid like the best? I see. I don't think I don't think Buda Baker's the best. I think he's a good fit for Arizona. I don't think he. I don't think he's necessarily the best safety. Now he's got versatility. He's probably the best going into the box. But uh, I I'll just give you an example. I wouldn't. I'm not sure. I would take Buda Baker over Tyron Honeybags or Matthew, who of course we just saw on Sunday night, and he had the pick of Drew Locke in the first quarter in that game. And Matthew's sitting there at $14 million a year. I think the, the minimum you're probably talking about Justin Simmons accepting is $14 million a year. And, oh, by the way, if the Broncos give him a second consecutive franchise tag, he would still be under $14 million a year. And that's the thing that kind of hangs uh, over this is with Garrett Bowles re-signed, the Broncos now have the franchise tag in their back pocket if they want to use it. That said, if they do use it, Zach, I hope it is a temporary thing, kind of like that Dallas used with Demarcus Lawrence, where they re-signed him a month later. Because Justin Simmons, as tremendous a person as, as he is, as magnanimous an individual as he is, I don't know if he's going to be happy playing on a second consecutive franchise tag. Usually that has been a prescription for a player who has some discontent in that year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That that's not the way to go if you want to keep Justin Simmons happy and long term. But Mace, why I asked you? Uh, I'm going to take a step back really quick. Why I asked you? But is is Buda Baker and Eddie Jackson the best? Are they those the best safeties in the NFL? I don't think they are. I agree with you that now they're very good players, but I don't think they're the best. But Mace, when you pay a guy and keep them long term, you just have to reset the market or get very close to resetting the market, even if they're not the absolute best. And Justin believes he's the best. So he's not going to take a discount. So that $15 million a year number that you said earlier is spot on. He's going to be the first $15 million safety in NFL history if the Broncos want to keep him long-term. But you mentioned the franchise tag, and that's the way to keep him at under $15 million, and it's not long-term. Mace, if they franchise tag him for a second year, do you and they don't get a contract done before the franchise tag deadline again? Do you see Justin wanting to stay around? Because then the Broncos couldn't tag him for a third time. He would be able to hit free agency following the 2021 season. Yeah, I, I don't think he would stay around at that point. Now that being said, he they'd have four months to work it out, and I would not close the door on it until that four month period has passed. And I and there will be earnest negotiations look I know the Broncos want Justin Simmons back that's clear and with Garrett Bowles's deal being done the, the next item on the list became Justin Simmons so this is something that it's important to them we know it's important to Justin obviously but 
how important and to what degree and can they find uh, can they find agreement i mean we i talked about the the full guarantee of being being 30 plus and then also the uh, 15 million dollar a, a year number is it possible that maybe for justin simmons it's going to be one but not the other that's something to that that's something to consider i'm sure justin uh, would love a $30 million a year guarantee and to be the first $15 million a year safety. But maybe that's part of a, a compromise here that he gets to one and not the other. The other thing that comes into play and the and a motivation, I think, for the Broncos getting this done is if let's say they've decided in their minds that Justin Simmons is back, but they know they might use the franchise tag. So in that regard, you've already created a budget in your mind that says we're going to have to have nearly $14 million of cap space for Justin Simmons. But if you're sitting there at 175 million, you've got to stuff a lot into that bag right now. They already have North of $170 million in commitments for 2020. So you are looking at having to make some cuts or some restructures. If you can get Justin Simmons done you can get him on a contract that has a cap figure for 2021 that makes it possible to keep this defense together uh, by and large for at least one more season. Because I think if the Broncos are going to get out of this next year, Zach, one way of doing that is by having this defense come back and hopefully be healthy because we've seen this defense is pretty effective, a better than average defense, even when playing with both hands tied behind its back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Mace, you said, can the Broncos, you know, give Justin Simmons one or the other guaranteed money or the $15 million? That would be a negotiation. I don't think there is any negotiation for Justin. I think he says, here are my terms, accept it or not. And we said when the Broncos didn't sign Justin Simmons to a long-term deal when they had the franchise tag on him, we said if they loved him, they could have kept him long-term, but they just really like him. Mace, I think there is one thing that's happened this year that could change the Broncos from really liking him to falling in love with him because it happened with me. We've always known that Justin Simmons is a great person off the field. I didn't need a second Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination uh, to change my mind about that. Off the field, Justin Simmons is everything you want. On the field as a leader, he's everything you want. He's a very good football player. But why I was hesitant about making him the highest paid safety was he's a great player. He wasn't a game changer for me coming into this year. Mace, Justin Simmons has proved this year that he is a game changer. And for me, that takes me over the edge from, you know, really liking a guy to falling in love with him. And so I do think that there's a path that John Elway kind of feels the exact same way. I don't want to pay $15 million for a really good player. I want to pay $15 million for a game changer. Well, that's what Justin's done. He clinched uh, the win against the Dolphins. He has four, a career high four interceptions right now with still four games to go. He can make that five or six. He's on pace for the best season of his career. So in my mind, if I'm John Elway, I totally understand where John was coming from. I, I wasn't upset with him. I didn't think he was doing the wrong thing by not giving him a long-term deal before this season. I knew where he was coming from. But now I see that Justin can be worth that $15 million a year. And would it be great to get him for 14, 13? Absolutely, of course it would. But Justin has proved and 
proven that he is not going to come on a discount. So you give him the 30 million guaranteed, Mace, you give him the 15 million and you lock him up long-term. Yeah. You think about his impact and, you know, you talk about the interceptions and he's got four of them once again. And uh, that's basically the standard for extreme success this in this day and age in terms of getting interceptions is, re- is recording four per season. Of course, the, one of the things about the Broncos so far this year is that this has not been a team that has forced turnovers. They're sitting there next to last, Zach, in takeaways. They're dead last in giveaways, of course. They're next to last in, in takeaways. Uh, they, have their wor- they have their worst giveaway-takeaway margin after 12 games in 45 years. Whew. Wow. And the guy who is keeping the Broncos from being historically bad in this is Justin Simmons with those four picks. I mean, you say, okay, what's a world without Justin Simmons like? A world without Justin Simmons is is where we're having this podcast probably be about how Vic Fangio's defense, yeah, it's been without a lot of guys, but – how could they only have seven takeaways in 12 games? This is not what you signed up for for Vic Vangio's defense. And yes, they need to get more takeaways. Even so it's understandable, but they'd be sitting at a pretty historic level. If in terms of not generating takeaways without Justin Simmons, he is all that is separating from the Broncos from complete disaster in terms of a lack of takeaways. Yeah, Mace, wow. John Elway doesn't want that on his watch. Vic Fangio certainly doesn't <laughs> want that on his watch. So that, that is a fantastic point. And Mace, maybe the uh, – and, and j- just a reminder to everyone, the Broncos and Justin Simmons can't negotiate during this season. So because right. they locked up Garrett Bowles uh, is a totally different situation than Justin Simmons. So there's no disrespect going on to Justin right now. They can lock him up after the season before free agency starts. So – an important thing to keep in mind, but maybe Mace uh, in a month when the season's over, maybe Justin, John, Vic, they want to go to Breckenridge brewery and, you know, do a little ice skating in order to get this negotiation done. And they can do it on the cheap because they're going to be spending a lot of money on Justin Simmons. They can find a deal over at Breckenridge brewery and guys Breckenridge brewery over at their farmhouse. They're doing something awesome during this winter season. Breck has set up an awesome skating rink outside of the farmhouse, and it's only $3 to skate with your own skates or $6 for skate rentals. They also have an awesome tubing hill that's entirely free. Parents enjoy some delicious Breck brews and delicious food and a cozy outdoor setup and let the kids enjoy some winter wonderland fun. And one of the beers that I would recommend to the adults is the Juice Drop. Man, it is so smooth. It is the perfect beer winter time i'm a big big fan of it just like i'm a big fan of all breckenridge beers so make sure to check out breckenridge beer you can find them at costco or your local grocery store in denver in colorado outside of our wonderful state and if you're outside of our state and you find some breckenridge brews well send us a picture of what you got of course uh 15 can strawberry skies are out there we got some sampler packs as well so make sure to check out breckenridge brewery because they're the official beer of dnvr we love them so much and then also check out the farmhouse for some skating yep love that love to get out on the ice i actually uh, took my daughter over uh, on an ice rink recently that was set up for winter time and so you know what it's a great way to have a little bit of fun so check that out over at breckenridge breweries facility down in littleton right off santa fe
You also may have heard us mention there are some big things happening in the Colorado rugby space, and here are the details. Of course, DNVR is now covering all things rugby and in Colorado and the United States with our guy Colton Strickler, who's keeping you date, up to date on all things American rugby. And that's a key thing here because Infinity Park in Glendale is the official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15, 15s teams, which makes Colorado the place to be for rugby in the United States. If you want to know about anything that's going on with the national team right now, the, the, the men and women who are representing this country on the world stage in rugby, make sure you kept, you keep up to speed with us and Colton on the DNVR rugby podcast. Of course, if you've been, listened to that podcast before, you've probably learned a lot about rugby. And if you haven't and you want to learn, check out those rugby 101 pods that Colton does to break down the game for you. They help me understand the game of rugby, of course, supporting our partners and supporting us. So make sure you download that DNVR rugby podcast and follow along at DNVR rugby on Twitter. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section. Talk to the people. First one coming in from our friend Welsh Bronco 170. Hey, guys, hope you boys are safe and sound. The vaccine rollout has started here in the UK, and let's hope we can get some normality very soon. Amen to that. My comment is a very simple question. Denver's first rounder in 2020 and Vaughn for Dak. Do you take the trade? Finally, do you think this is a feasible offer? Stay safe, WB170. Well, Mace, you wouldn't have to give up anything to get Dak potentially. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with, with Dak Prescott, that contract, we just had a discussion about uh, Justin Simmons. <laughs> and uh, if you're making that trade for Dak Prescott, you're probably waving goodbye to Justin Simmons. And Mace, maybe, um, that's, maybe that's what the deal is. Because it, I, I, first off, I don't think a trade for Dak Prescott's going to happen because either he's going to hit free agency or Dallas is going to sign him long-term. So I don't think this is going to happen. But Mace, in this scenario, maybe you sign Justin Simmons, they sign Dak Prescott, then you do a sign-in trade with both of those guys and Broncos also include a first or something. Man, that would be, that'd be wild. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. wild. Um, the other thing is... If the Cowboys have decided to move on from Dak Prescott, yeah, they could be amenable to such a deal. But um, if Dak Prescott were on the market, uh, man, even coming off that injury, I'd say he's worth three ones. And that that's realistically more than just a first-rounder in Von Miller. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I totally agree. He, he would be worth a ton. But I think, the, I think the Cowboys are finding out this year how important Dak Prescott is to their team. So I don't think he's They're, going anywhere. Jerry Jones is going to have to swallow hard and sign that check. <laughs> yep, you're exactly right, Mace. Yeah. Next one Wendy's, coming in. Windy City Bronco up next, and he says, I get the sentiment that you don't want to draft the third best quarterback in the 2021 draft. The problem is that we have a good enough team that we aren't going to be in position to draft better in 2022. Plan A should be to get a legitimate proven starter through trade or free agency. Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Dak Prescott are the only clear options there if available. Otherwise, you have to either trade up to get the third-best quarterback or trade for 2022 draft capital. Do you prefer the third-best 2021 quarterback or maybe the second-best 2022 quarterback? Those are your choices if Locke does not pan out. We aren't getting the number one pick anytime soon. Locke may still develop, so I'd rather take the third-best in 21 with the plan to groom the other guy. If Locke fails, then you're ready to roll with a new guy in 2022. If Locke succeeds, you trade to the other, the other guy to another QB-hungry team. 
Well, you're absolutely right, Windy City Bronco. I totally agree. Yeah, it, the Broncos realistically aren't going to get the number one pick anytime soon because they are too good. And so you're right. You do have to live with the third best quarterback. Uh, and man, what I'm doing is I'm probably taking the third best quarterback this year. And also, Mace, if Broncos are taking a quarterback this year in the first round, Drew Locke is not in the cards. They're not trying to develop him. Uh, they they may trade him for you know a mid round pick. They may keep him just to have as a backup, but uh, it's not going to be a competition between Drew Locke and someone else for the long term job. It would be that other person's job. Right, and I'm. Uh... You're about to say it. You were about to say it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I gave you. I know. <laughs> I know. You were holding back. Um, anyway, if they draft a quarterback in the first round, top ten pick, then I mean, the die is cast, right? That's yes. it. Yeah. Drew, Drew Locke is not long for the job, in all likelihood. And the the thing that that comes into play there, yeah, I'm a I'm a firm believer in having multiple quarterbacks and trading the surplus. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I, I was an advocate of drafting a quarterback in 2018, even after they signed Case Keenum. I thought the mistake of signing Case Keenum would be if they didn't take a quarterback. Now, um, I admit I wasn't high on Josh Allen, but uh, Josh Allen would look really good right now, <laughs> presume, presuming that the Broncos developed him properly if he wore yeah. orange and blue. But, uh, you know, yeah, if, if if you look, there are two possibilities that mean that, that augur the end of, of Drew Locke as the starter here. A, trading for one of those veterans, like you mentioned, a Windy City Bronco, and B, drafting a quarterback in the top 10. And at that point, the clock ticks on Drew Locke. If you have the veteran, like a Matthew Stafford, then the clock is at zero. If you draft a Zach Wilson, and I did see one mock draft this week that had Zach Wilson dropping all the way to number nine. Um, I believe it was actually the mock draft done by Mel Kuyper Jr. and Topic Shea. I think when all is said and done, Zach Wilson ends up going higher just because of the premium quarterbacks. But it's something to think about. The Broncos, if they finish out this season one and three, they are squarely in the range of teams that can reasonably get Zach Wilson. Maybe you might have to trade up a little bit, but he's going to be there. And if they like him, what do you do? What do, you do? So. All these things that all these things have to be weighed here. If you trade, look, let's say you have Zach Wilson and Drew Locke, and Zach Wilson inevitably gets the job. At some point, he would. Uh, Drew Locke's value, unfortunately, would probably not be high because unless he plays lights out to a degree where you're not picking a quarterback or not adding a, a veteran starter in 2021, uh, unless he plays lights out, his, his his trade value won't be high because teams are be looking at that and saying, "Wow." Full season as a starter, and he was 31st or 32nd in passer rating? No. Yeah, exactly. They're going to say, wait, you don't want him? Why do we want him? Yeah. So, I mean, Mace, what are we talking about? Drew Locke's trade value this offseason as it stands right now uh, in terms of draft count. Are we talking like a fifth? I mean, that that's kind of where I view it. So yeah. d- don't expect the Broncos to draft a quarterback and then get a, you know, a King's ransom for Drew Locke. And I know it'll, it'll come up, but, oh, Sam Darnold is also down there near the bottom, and he has higher value. A couple of things. Number one, Sam Darnold uh, has at least a couple, a couple of seasons, and specifically um, 2019, where you'd call, him, you'd call him lower middle class as far as a quarterback. Uh, not where you're talking about him being the worst starting quarterback in the league. There are seasons where he has done better. And number two, 
being a top three pick that counts for something. And, uh, and that's, and that's something that will help Sam Darnold's value only drop it so far. You're exactly right. Next one from Mr. Undrafted with the cap hit being about 175 million. You guys talked about letting AJ and Casey go, but what about trading Vaughn with Reed playing well and on an upward track? Wouldn't it make sense as far as cap savings to trade Vaughn and get something back in return? Are there any quarter cornerbacks that could be out there to replace either Callahan or AJ? Mm, well, I mean, that is a possibility. I, I don't personally want to trade uh, Vaughn Miller, but that is something that, uh, that, that is something that, that could be in the cards. Now there, there's going to be some talent out there and, uh, some of it is older talent at cornerback. If you're talking about the free agent, Asian market, but there are going to be guys out there. Like for example, um, you have a uh, Patrick Peterson with an expiring contract. You have Richard Sherman, who's uh, going to be available. And, uh, the thing with Sherman, of course, that's interesting is, uh, is he what he was in Seattle? No but he's somebody who runs zone concepts effectively. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to pay for a cornerback, a veteran cornerback uh, near the end, but could, but someone who could offer a good presence in the locker room, maybe Sherman, even though he's battled injuries is somebody that, uh, that, that, that could be on the radar if they go free agent for quarter for a cornerback. Yeah. Re- really good point there, Mace. Yeah. But boy, those would be some interesting names. That's for sure. Yep. Moving on to Casper fellas, two part question. One, I'd like to get some perspective on Drew Luck. How much pressure are the fans and, to an extent, the media putting on him because it's been five years since Denver was relevant? If he was drafted instead of Osweiler, would he have a longer leash? Two, if Shermer is let go in the offseason, do you think Elway and Fangio would get Drew's opinion on who they should hire for OC? Houston is doing that with Watson on their head coaching search. I get that it's apples and oranges, but if they want Luck to succeed, why not give it a shot and see what happens? How say you? Yeah, no, th- this is, uh, Mace, th- this just reminds me of like a, um, a failing student in class and his parents say, well, you know what? Uh, it was their fault. Why don't you get to pick your next teacher? Uh, and that just wouldn't happen. You know, <laughs> the parents would be in charge there of picking that, just like John Elway and the coaching mm-hmm. staff would be in charge. Drew, you, you do that when it's a Deshaun Watson franchise quarterback type. Drew Locke has not proven that he's a franchise quarterback. Bingo. In the parlance of John Fox, you got to have some skins on the wall for that. <laughs> Drew yeah. Locke doesn't have any. So, n- no, uh, that's, that's not happening at all. Maybe you're looking at coaches who run an offense analogous to what Drew Locke did well in at Mizzou, but again, You've also got the concern of saying a lot of Drew's work, especially before 2018, was uh, what was was garbage time stuff. So right, exactly. Thing, a lot of things in play. Exactly. Next one from Dan Burke. Hey guys, are any of y'all familiar with Desmond Ritter and Carson Strong, Nevada? They're both day two-ish prospects at quarterback that have really intriguing tools. It was recently reported that there's likely to be a bidding war for Darnold and considering the way he's played this year, I'm not comfortable giving up anything more than a three and even that's making me nervous. I think the options I'm leaning toward to roll with Drew, but add a toolsy day two type to compete with them. What do y'all think? Uh, I don't mind the notion of a day two guy, but if that's your competition, that's your hedge, that's your push. No, no, no. I, I don't, I don't think that's enough in this case. I think the competition has to be somebody who is either a, a youngish start guy with starting experience. It's a, a veteran like 
if Drew Locke plays well down the stretch, I still want to bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick type who can be there if, if Locke doesn't take the next step or, or picking somebody high in the first round. Uh, I'm, you know what? The Broncos have tried picking, you know, day two. They've, they picked Brock Osweiler day two. They picked Drew Locke in, in day two. Day two. Uh, Trevor Simeon was a day three guy. Paxton Lynch was there at the end of the first round, but there's a big gap between quarterbacks taken early in the first round and late in the first round in terms of the overall success rate. If you're going to draft a quarterback, it's got to be a top 10 guy. Don't do this day two thing again. I totally agree, Mace. A day two quarterback makes sense when you have like an Aaron Rodgers. Like the Packers shouldn't have got Jordan Love in the first. They should have got him uh, or or another quarterback if they wanted to go that route. In the second, Drew Locke last year would have been perfect for them. Um, uh, The Lions potentially, but like uh, 36-year-old Matt Ryan, that's a good situation. And old Tom Brady, that's a good situation to get a second, a, a day two guy in there. But when you need a starter right now, like the Broncos do day two, I would not like that. To me, Mace, that would be, you have two quarterbacks means you don't have any. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, frankly, part of my fear on a, on Sam Darnold is if you trade for him and he doesn't improve, if he still has that form, you're, you you literally have a, a quarterback competition with guys who right now are 31 and 32 in passer rating. Oh, talk about the laughing stock. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Undrafted, with my comment yesterday, I was not saying I wanted to trade or let Cortland go. I was referring to him being the odd man out. Well, and I think that's what I was trying to uh, to, to defend and, and understand your point. I know you don't want to let him go, but, uh, you know, with Tim Patrick ball and the way he is, it, it's, it's a conversation that will probably have a, a big one later this year because it, you, you have an option of, keeping Tim Patrick around, but then Cortland Sutton may be the odd man out or, you know, what, what and what's probably going to happen is you keep Cortland Sutton around and you just let Tim Patrick walk. It's a bummer to let a talented guy like that just walk with nothing in return. Yeah. And uh, ideal, you don't want to do that. You want to find a way to keep him around, but you just start looking at how, uh, and how some of the numbers are adding up and uh, some of the pieces are falling into place. You know, I think Jerry Judy, even though he's, frustrated right now I think Jerry Judy's going to figure things out and Tim Patrick is somebody who offers value as a number two or number three receiver and I think frankly KJ Hamler has been above my expectations for him as a, as a rookie once he got back from the hamstring issues and then you add Noah Fant into that mix who uh, hasn't had a touchdown since week two but I think there are there are things that are working against him that are beyond his control. And oh, by the way, uh, if he stays healthy the rest of the season, he's still got he's still got a chance to end up uh, with close to sixty receptions and uh, pu- and and pushing north of six hundred towards seven hundred yards, which is really kind of puts him nicely on track for where you want him to go long term as a tight end and somebody who probably will be talking about getting paid when his contract is up and tight ends are a little harder to find than wide receivers. So it may just be a root, a situation where town is Cortland is with the other guys they brought in. There may be no room at the end. Yeah, that's a good point. Next one from Bronco born Bronco bread. Are we sure that we need an answer on drew this off season? I remember a RK talking about this and have to agree with the notion that an answer isn't needed yet. We can be real about the state of the Broncos. This is not a Super Bowl roster with a great quarterback. What do or who do we have on the roster that makes it such a priority to find out if we have a guy if the we have the guy right now? 
What I mean by this is that even with a great quarterback, we don't have a championship window. What do y'all see as more likely? Drew developing over the course of an offseason and becoming a good quarterback by the end of next year or the third best quarterback in the draft being good by the end of next year? Maybe I just don't see it in Zach Wilson. If you're the guy you don't, if you're the guy, you don't let your team lose to Coastal Carolina or Justin Fields enough to punt on Drew. Well, Mace, I saw my, my buddy Lewis sent me a tweet yesterday, two days ago, and it was uh, someone saying when a team has a bad quarterback, they're going to point to Josh Allen for many years to come and say, oh, look, all he needs is time. All he needs is time. And there are some times where quarterbacks just need time. But what you don't want to get stuck is, is hoping that you, get, that you have the next Josh Allen when really you just don't have a good quarterback because time isn't going to solve the issues for all of these guys. It, some guys, maybe they do need more time like Josh Allen. But Mace, a lot of these guys, you know right away if they're the guy or not. Josh Allen, what people have to remember is Josh Allen is the outlier. He's not the rule. Exactly. And uh, Josh Allen was getting better in his uh... – in his second seven starts uh, than he was uh, in, his, in his first seven starts. And unfortunately, one of the things that jumps out to me as I really dive into the metrics is that the fact that, that Drew Locke has regressed from about a league average level that he was early in his time as the Broncos starting quarterback that puts him in the range of guys who generally didn't get out of it. He, if he succeeds, he's going to be the exception to the rule. And is this something that you want to, to bet on? I mean, this is, uh, this is just looking and saying, all right, I'm not sure if I can bet on the 1-11 in 11 shot here to, to work out based on the trend lines that he has uh, demonstrated. A quarterback in the top 10 would have a higher chance of success believe it or not, than someone who is at where Drew Locke is right now in terms of his trends. The other thing that I think is interesting is, yeah, this team isn't in a championship window, but remember, the people making the decisions next year, they're going to be on the hot seat. John Elway, last year of his contract, Vic Fangio going into year three, even though he has a four-year deal with an option for a fifth, this is still at the point where he's, he, he's got a blanker, get off the pot, right? It's, it's, it's do or die. The, 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 mom, the moment is there. Zach, I, I could see a scenario where if Broncos finish out this season 5-11, and 11, I, I think Vic Fangio is definitely back in 2021. But what if they start slowly again? I mean, if, if they start like, oh, and if they finish this year 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, and then they start next year 0-3, which will be three consecutive 0-3 or worse starts for the Broncos. I can see them pulling the trigger right then and there yeah. on, on Vic Fangio. So uh, the pressure is going to be on, does Vic Fangio want to put it in the – and John Elway, do they want to put it in the hands of Drew Locker? Do they want to have somebody else in waiting? Again, I know we're talking about Zach Wilson. I know you bring him up in this comment, Bronco porn, Bronco Brett. I still think a veteran – of some description is more likely than a top 10, a top 10 quarterback. But if you are picking say sixth or seventh, it's something you have to think about. And one more quick thing with Zach Wilson. Uh, first of all, I, I would not put any too much on that game 
and, and he did do some good things against Coastal Carolina. Coastal's got some guys, some guys on that defense who are going to be playing on Sundays. That was the best defense that Zach Wilson and BYU have seen. And you really, really don't want to go down the rabbit hole of saying, well, if you couldn't beat this team, then you're not going to succeed in the NFL. If you right. did, you would look back and say, oh, my goodness, Patrick Mahomes in 2016, he led a Texas Tech team that went against Iowa State that was 3-9 and nine that year, and they lost 66-10. to 10. So how can you pick Patrick Mahomes? That's, yeah, you don't want to get caught down the rabbit hole of fixating on one game result, one team result when evaluating a quarterback. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Mace. Next one coming in from Von Miller's Chicken Farm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Howdy, gents. Listening to your take on Shula and Sherm are very unlikely, but in a fantasy world, how would you feel about the following? For some continuity, keep Shermer as assistant head coach to help Vic with game management tasks and as the quarterback coach to continue working with Drew. Bring in an offensive coordinator that might be better situated for running a Drew-friendly offense. Just an exercise in unlikelihood. Thanks, as always, for the pod. All right. I, look, if, if you're Pat Shermer, are you effectively taking a, uh, a demotion? No, no way. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that's, you know what? That's not something that is uh, – that's realistic. I, do you remember Jim, Jim Bates, defensive coordinator for the Broncos back in 07? Yes. Did not work out very well. And uh, Jim Bates was actually – in, in terms of the run of – one of defensive coordinators. You had the last year of Larry Corrier in 06, then Jim Bates, then Bob Sloak, then Mike Nolan, and on and on. Jim Bates was offered a demotion slash reassignment on the staff. He just said no and left with two years remaining on his contract. So I really don't think that – I don't think Pat Shermer would accept a, any kind of demotion if that's what was offered to him. I think – he would just say thanks, but for, thanks, but no thanks, and move on. I, a, a demotion for a coach to accept is uh, extremely unusual. Mason, you're you're right. Not only would this not happen, um, but why would the Broncos want it to happen? What have the Broncos done with game management that's been good this year that you say we need to keep these same game manager guys here? What have they done with Drew Locke that you say? Yeah, we need to keep these guys here to develop them. So if there's a new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer is not here. I think what uh, I think what Von Miller's Chicken Farm is probably saying is just that you have somebody who is exclusively devoted to game management. Right now, it's something that's kind of passed like a baton among people on the staff, uh, depending on the game situation, uh, you know, whether their unit is on or off the field, et cetera. I, I, and I think there is something to that. There should be a game management coach. I just don't think it's going to be Pat Shermer. Yeah, bring in a game management coach then. And I agree that that should be a case. Mace, before we go any further, got to tell you guys about our WGT Golf Tournament this weekend. Starting tomorrow on Friday through Sunday, we're hosting the Ball is Popping Classic at Bandon Dunes. And all you have to do is go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. Go into the Country Club section and join our series of country clubs right now the one that's open is dnvr4 so go into the country club section search for dnvr and the number four next to it join that country club and then you'll be able to play and the ball is popping classic and band in dunes anyone in a country club can participate and better yet anyone can win you don't just have to be the best at wgt to win so all you have to do 
Join the DNVR for a country club. If you haven't played, head to Bandon Dunes Golf Course and enter into the closest to the hole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pinned Twitter thread at DNVR underscore sports or email them to info at thednvr.com. Once you've entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt of their choice and a mask and we'll ship it straight to you. We'll host these every single week leading up to Christmas, so make sure to get in. So go to WGT Golf. It's free to download, free to play. Go to the DNVR 4 Country Club and head to Bandon Dunes for the Ball is Popping Classic. And if you want to be ready to play some WGT and you want to be on your game, sometimes you've got to, you know, you've got to have a little bit of um, a little bit of a spark in the morning. And Strava Craft Coffee is one great way to do that. It's rich CBD infused coffee that you can purchase for in K cups for your Keurig whole bean or ground. If you want to get twenty percent off, make sure you use that magical code DNVR twenty. And if you purchase, tag Strava and let us know. Let us know our that our community supports them. It, you order it online, it can ship to you very fast, even during this holiday season when there are a lot of packages flying around and riding around this country. You can also try Strava Craft Coffee at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is not, it has CBDs and that is non-psychoactive and has been known to help long-term migraines, decrease anxiety, help with arthritis, irritable bowel syndrome, and more. I've taken some CBD to help uh, with, with migraines and anxiety, and it's had a tremendous impact on me. Of course, supporting our partners and supporting us. So check out Strava Craft Coffee, which you can get in K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get it whole bean or grounding. Use that magical code DMVR20 and get 20% off your order. All right, Mace. Next one coming in for Broncos Squared. Boy, I feel like a horse's patoot. Chris Farley uh-huh. from Black Sheep. That was my feeling yesterday when you got when you guys laid out reasons why we shouldn't read into Jerry Judy's Twitter posts. I actually fell into the Twitter rumor will rumor mill. Anyway, if Denver Shines signs Shelby Harris to a long-term deal, would you get a jersey of his? Well, I wouldn't, but I have a general rule on retired player jerseys and uh I'm probably not buying me. I'm not probably not buying a Bronco player jersey anyway. But I digress. Um, should you though? I wouldn't be opposed to it. At, at that point, uh, if if you get him on say a three year contract, you'd probably count on him being a Bronco for another couple of years. And then, of course, he would have been a Bronco for uh, you know for four seasons before that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. I mean, we're not talking about a Ring of Fame player, but a but a very good player. Sure. Is this kind of equivalent to Emmanuel Sanders, maybe? Like, kind of an equivalent? Kind of, maybe not quite. Not okay. quite the level of accomplishment, although I think Shelby Harris should get more Pro Bowl acknowledgement than he does. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Next one coming in from Locks Not Goaded. Officially convinced the only way that the Broncos get a franchise quarter get back is by waiting until 2026 and grabbing Arch Manning early in the draft. The Mannings are the only ones who are able to get the Broncos out of post-Elway quarterback purgatory. Well, the problem is you'd be drafting him and uh, look at the Broncos historically. I mean, all their success has come, uh, or almost all of their success has come with quarterbacks who. Uh, who they didn't draft. I mean, what drafted quarterbacks from the Broncos have started for them in, in the playoffs? Not Craig Morton, 
not John Elway. Uh, you fast forward uh, to 2000, not Gus Farratt. Oh, boy. Uh, Jake Plummer. Tim Tebow. <laughs> Tim Tebow. There we go. Timmy Tryhard. And then <laughs> he moved on to Peyton Manning, and he wasn't drafted. I think what I'm saying is, hey, Arch Manning would be great. The problem is you might have to wait for him to go somewhere else like like uh, like Indianapolis for a few years. Oh, boy. <laughs> or uh, if we're not focused on the franchise, we're focused on the city. You know, Baltimore drafted uh, John Elway and then traded him. Maybe you need a, maybe you need somebody, the, the Ravens or the Colts, to draft Arch Manning, and, uh, and then the Broncos could get him at some point. I think that's – yeah. Man, they draft, if they draft him, I, I'd be concerned. <laughs> he has the potential to be the highest and, and most talked about prospect ever with his name and what he could do. Where do you think he goes? I mean, I know it's really early in the process. Holy cow. I don't even know. I mean, probably to a team that has an aging good quarterback now that just completely falls oh. off. I wasn't talking about the NFL. I was talking about oh. college. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I was going to say I have no idea. I mean, yeah. Um, old Miss? Well, the obvious, the, the obvious thing is if David Cutcliffe is still on the job, that he would go to Duke, right? Because mm. Eli Manning played for Cutcliffe at Mississippi. Peyton Manning played for Cutcliffe, who was then the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. So there's the deep Manning connection there. But, you know, Cutcliffe is 66 years old. Duke did not have a good season this year. They're coming, they're coming off of back-to-back losing seasons now. Uh, does Duke have the juice, even with David Cutcliffe, to get Arch Manning? No. Why do I think, Zach, this is going to end up with Arch Manning being the quarterback at the University of Alabama? Oh, man, I would love it. Oh, I would love it. That would be fantastic with Nick Saban. And then think about how you would have had the Mannings all over the SEC. (laughs) Of course, Peyton representing UT and uh, Eli, a proud Mississippi alum, and uh, Arch at uh, at Alabama. That kind of hit me like, gosh, if Arch Manning went to Alabama, I mean, you talk about the rich getting richer. Me, I, you know, even though I'm no fan of Duke, I think it'd be fun to see him at a place like Duke. It would be. And what I'll say to that is dream on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think Arch Manning is going to be an SEC quarterback. Oh man, that would be great. I mean, of course it'd be awesome if it's Alabama for me, but it would be cool if it was another SEC school, not Tennessee or Old Miss, just to keep that going. Why can't it be Missouri? Oh, I know why it won't be Missouri. (laughs) That'd be amazing, but I don't think that's happening. <laughs> yeah, dream on again. <laughs> ne- oh, next one from speaking of the Mannings, Manning's forehead chimes in. No matter what happens, I think I'm at the point where I'll always love Drew, similar to how people were irrationally in love with Tebow. I will feel that way with Drew. Frick Pat Shermer for corrupting and ruining our guy. Oh. You know what? I'm not sure that, uh, that Pat Shermer – uh, corrupted and ruined Drew Lock. I agree. I, mean, I, 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 I look. I know it's easy to 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 take shots at the Broncos coaches here, but uh, you know, Pat Shermer got a great season out of Case Keenum. Um, Pat Shermer did uh, worked for a long time with Donovan McNabb and got some, and got some really good years out of him. Um, I think. I think. Uh, for example. I think Sam Bradford would have been a Pat Shermer success story if he could have stayed healthy. 
And uh, even uh, Daniel Jones, despite the fumbles, was pretty respectable play, playing for Pat Shermer as a rookie last year. And Mike Shula is somebody who, you know, he's, he's forgotten more about quarterbacking than a lot of people will ever know. And look what Mike Shula did with Cam Newton in Carolina. Took a guy with a skill set that really had not had the type of skill set that had not seen a lot of sustained success and made him into an MVP quarterback. So you're talking about people who do know what the hell they're doing here. Right. Yeah, you, you, you do. And it's really impressive what, what Pat Shermer was able to do with Daniel Jones last year. Yeah. And, uh, and what he did with Case Keenum. I mean, if yeah. coaching is maximizing what you have, the talent, the, the talent that is on hand, Pat Shermer ha- at, at the quarterback position has done pretty well at that in many of his years. I mean, you can probably point to Cleveland and say it didn't work out, but again, what was he working with in Cleveland? So, yeah. That, that's a good that's a good point all right may speed round the questions 10 questions 10 minutes next one from origin blue ozzy my boys great show yesterday that uncomfortable feeling on hoping to lose but with good signs ugh stunned by the desperation of people wanting the stafford hype to be our next hero he's slightly above uh, above average better than below average but comes at a high price you have to ask yourself who you want to give up shelby harris justin simmons gerald casey aj boye von miller Adding Matt Stafford means you likely have to lose at least two, if not more. Thoughts? Yeah, you're probably right on with that. Also, I agree cornerback is going to be a big need next year, but you can not But you can get good cornerbacks on day two. We aren't likely to get another draft pick around the top ten. It could even be top five if we lose out. A rookie quarterback costs so much less, and we can keep more of our free agents. Draft a rookie quarterback and let the competition begin. Can Drew save his job? Can rookie take us back to the playoffs? would make this podcast even better. Oh, we would love a quarterback yeah. competition for the pod. <laughs> oh, yeah. And in theory, look, uh, a rookie quarterback, I-, I think if you get the right guy, that's terrific. Go-, go for it. The problem is Vic Fangio coaching for his job, John Elway in a contract year, are they on board with bringing in a rookie quarterback? I-, I have my doubts. Yeah, as much as I want it to happen, Mace, I think the answer is no. Yep. Aaron Ray, what's going on, my G's? My fault I haven't commented in a while. I'd take some time off to do some grieving. I was still listening, though. Six months ago, my dog was diagnosed with the worst slash most aggressive type of cancer a dog can get. They gave him two weeks to live. I changed his diet and fed him lots of herbs, among other things, and was able to stretch out his life for six more months, and he was so happy for those six months. We thought we'd beat it till one morning things took a turn, and I had to put him down two days later. I know people that think that he was just a dog, but to me, he was everything. He was my world. He was a solid black German shepherd, and he was a true king. I grew up in the worst area of Chicago, or Chirac, as they like to call it, and have seen and experienced some of the worst things in life, things you only see on TV. With that being said, none of that compares to losing my son. I'm absolutely devastated. I wanted to say that I really appreciate y'all. You guys have been helping through it without, without even realizing it. This podcast helps take my mind off the hardships. So not only do I appreciate how good the podcast is, but also the care you guys show and the consistency. This is a special podcast. No Broncos talk from me. Just wanted to show my appreciation. RIP, King Kato, y'all stay blessed. Well, Aaron, man, I, I really, I, I empathize with you. And um, man, I, I've, I lost two dogs this year. And uh, it's, I, I can, I, I know the pain that you're feeling right now. And uh, I mean, I appreciate, I, I appreciate you listening with us, but uh, I, I, I know, I know how hard that, that must've been for you. And uh, so I really appreciate you sharing that with us, and um, man, I, I'll, I'll be thinking about you and, I, and and hoping you're you're okay. I mean, 
your dog just sounds like an amazing best friend. Yeah, I echo the, those exact sentiments. Aaron, thank you so much for letting us know about that. And man, we're so sorry. We're, we're here for you and we're thinking of you, man. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. All right, Mace, next one coming in from Orange and Blur. I read Mace's fantastic article the other day comparing Locke to a lot of recent quarterbacks in their first 13 starts. It was a thoughtful deep dive, but did not really inspire a lot of hope for Locke. They, that really got me wondering about what a hopeful comparison would be for Drew Locke. I had to crank all the way back and go to Brett Favre. I know it seems a little far-fetched, but when I looked at Favre's first three seasons, first three seasons, I came up with a very similar track. Favre only played two games for the Falcons before being traded to the Packers in 92. When he started, when the Packers quarterback one went down to injury, he started 13 games in 92, had 18 touchdowns, 13 picks, and a rating of 85.3. Then in 93, he got worse, 19 touchdowns and 24 interceptions, and his rating plummeted to 72. You could imagine the Packers making plans to move on at that point. And that is where it got interesting. In 94, Favre would throw 33 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and end up with a 90 passer rating. Favre would go on to make the next three Pro Bowls and win a championship in 97 and eventually become a Hall of Famer. I see a lot of Favre's approach to the game in Locke and the way he computes in the, in the fun playing the gunslinger role. I see the same downsides of his game as well. But if Favre got it figured out, maybe there's hope for Drew. Are there any other hopeful comparisons that you guys can come up with? Well, I, I get what you're saying about comparisons there, but at the same time, this is where you've got to kind of a, a, a compare across the eras. That 72.2 passer rating in 1993 was good for 20th in the NFL that year. So basically, out of 30 starting quarterbacks, uh, 30 who were eligible to be uh, to be counted in this, that puts him, you know, basically either bottom of the middle third or top of the lower third, depending on your perspective. Do you know uh, like who quarterbacks 2021 and 22 are in ratings this year, Zach? Who? Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And their passer ratings are 93 9, 93 7, and 93 1. Mm, yeah. So that's so unfortunately, I think the thing with Drew Locke that we're talking about here and why it concerns you is he's sitting there at the bottom right now. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And also far totally different era where yeah. being a gunslinger was okay. Being a gunslinger now is not okay in it's terms gonna, of all the interceptions. Right. It's going to drive coaches crazy. I mean, there's a reason why, even though he struggled at this, Brock Osweiler kept saying ball security is job security in this day and age because the, because the defense is going to give you so much. You know, it's – it's okay to kind of take the underneath stuff and, and move on. I mean, you know, Drew Brees was that kind of guy. Tom Brady was a guy who took what was there. Like the, the interception Sunday in the first quarter kind of encapsulated a lot of what Drew Locke needs to work on because he had the first down right there for the easy takings and he tried to force it downfield early in a game. You didn't have to do that. Take the first down, go on. It's like in baseball, you know, and if you saw Moneyball, you, you probably remember this. You know, if a guy gets on base, do I care if it was a walk or a hit? You do not. <laughs> taking that first down is like take that easy first down. It's like taking the walk. Yeah. So sometimes when a three-in-one pitch, when you have a three-in-one pitch, you just keep the bat on your shoulder and take the base. Right, exactly. Good point. Next one from Thick Fangio. Zach, are you putting all extra CBD in your Strava Craft coffee? 31 and a half points for Bama? Care to make this a pizza bet? Also, petition to rename the Alabama-Arkansas game the Incest Bowl. Oh, brutal. Oh, um, you nice. know what? 
I don't, I don't, I don't want to take on. a, I don't want to take a pizza from you. So uh, I, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a caring guy. So I'm going to pass. All right. <laughs> you are a caring guy. That's, that's, that's wonderful of you, Zach. Race City Bronco. Hey guys, I just want to tell Mace how disappointed I am. This COVID stuff will keep us from hanging out when he comes to visit Carolina this weekend. I recovered from the virus back in October and I wouldn't wish that sickness on anyone, especially if they have compromised family members. I've been looking forward to trying out some new barbecue with him. All the places I know are farther north, so you have to share where you end up. A couple of weeks ago, there was a discussion about donuts. While Krispy Kreme is my personal favorite, when you're in town, you should try Duck Donuts, a made-to-order place based out of the Outer Banks. That's OBX, as it shows up in the comment section, with a couple of locations in the Charlotte area. Check out their Instagram page. They're hot and fresh and pretty amazing. If you're in the mood for burgers, I would suggest trying Shake Shack next to in and out They're the best fast food burgers I've had. Fell in love with them when I was working in New York City, and now they've opened a location in Charlotte. Anyway, safe travels this weekend, and go Broncos. Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed about a lot this weekend. I'm really bummed about uh, COVID. I think, for me, this is the weekend, personally, where I feel like I've kind of lost the most in terms of what it would have been in normal circumstances and what it's going to turn out to be. And of course, uh, something like that with Race City Broncos, part of it, seeing uh, extended family is a part of that as well for me up and they're up around the Raleigh area. So yeah, this is tough. I, Zach, I really wish we could take this year's schedule in terms of trips and run it back next year. I know mm. that Broncos fans are like, whoa, tough schedule. Don't want that. But <laughs> I think about Boston, New York, Carolina, Atlanta. These are, are places I, I love to visit, and, and, and in particular in Carolina and Atlanta, I love to sp spend time with people, and it's just not something we're doing right now. So, yeah. That being said, Race City Bronco, we do have Shake Shack out here. So yes, we do. I will, I, that will not be on my, on my Charlotte list because if I want to have it, I'll just drive over to Highlands Ranch down here and have some of that shake shack goodness it is it is very good but i probably will try to hit up duck donuts if uh, the schedule allows that sounds pretty incredible yeah that really does may's next one's for you as well ah yes that means it's our good friend the count who says i am in desperate need of a peculiar panther story from mace a bizarre browns take from zach <laughs> and a curious cu story from rk something you've never divulged on the pot I submit this humble request with reverence and respect. Love the count. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago because of the Browns, but it applies to all of the NFL, and it's just bizarre. Mace, the hours that people in the NFL work are insane, not just coaches. Uh, from the Browns, I would always get emails uh, from my boss at 4.50 in the morning, Cleveland time. And that's like not too uh, uh, off base of what just happens in the entire NFL. It's, it's crazy. So there's a, a tiny little tidbit. Yeah, I, I could, there, there are a lot of Panther stories I, I, I could tell. I mean, that I'm was, I'm sure a, there are. That, that was an eventful uh, a couple of years in, in Charlotte, but um, this is not really funny or anything. It's more, it's more philosophical. And it was actually when I interviewed for the job and, I was, uh, I was walking around with uh, one of the team's um, uh, VPs, and uh, we, were actually, uh, walking, uh, we were actually walking around the locker room, and it was empty at that point. And he was telling me about you know, the, the general philosophy that they had at that moment. It would change in a couple of years, but at that moment, they said, look, you know, we've obviously had some experience with you know, Ray Carruth and what happened there. And, uh, and 
one thing that we kind of think philosophically is we're going to take our chances on the uh, the really good guy uh, being able to to channel his uh, football mentality and be a bad mf on the field uh, than that guy who is a uh, just you know uh, you know can get into trouble but uh, is going to play with his hair on fire you know it no matter what they take their chances gets they take their chances on the higher character guys but the reason why i say it was interesting is that a couple of years later uh they they dipped their toe back in the pool of the low character player when they took greg hardy yep and and you know it's and you wonder and uh, one of the things that uh, you wonder now is kind of what's that what's their philosophy especially it's interesting to think about them saying that when the guy at the top of the food chain at that point was Jerry Richardson, who turned out to be as bad a person as you can imagine and why he was basically forced out of owning that team. So you reflect on that and you think, wow, uh, this was sort of uh, hypocritical coming uh, from, from that organization, given what we learned about their owner. Yeah, seriously, very hypocritical. And man, Mace, this, this comment's coming full, full circle because when I was with the Browns doing some scouting, the best player I ever looked at was, was Greg Hardy. And it kills me to say because of just how terrible of a person he was. But man, he was talented as can be. Yeah, pick toss for 66. I think when evaluating Drew, we need to remember that he was a four-year starter at Mizzou. This is not common. It should be a huge advantage for him, especially combined with his physical talent. He should not be wrong. He should not be struggling as much as he does with rating the field and making good decisions. With his experience, he should be adjusting to the speed of the NFL game. It worries me that he ain't farther along than he is, and it makes me question if his floor will ever get much higher than this. Consistency will always be a problem, and that won't cut it. I think that's a great point, Pig Tosser 66. And Mace, final one coming in from Sound Guy. What's the logic in bringing in Sam Darnold as a hedge against Locke? It seems like you'd be better off drafting an unknown commodity rather than bringing in known failure. Also, a drafted quarterback would be cost-controlled as opposed to Locke or Darnold figuring it out next year. When was the last Garrett Bowles-like ascension at quarterback? Josh Allen doesn't count because he took the Bills to the playoffs last year. Wow. Um, uh, I mean, Steve, Steve Young was really ragged early in his career with Tampa Bay, but then he sat in the San Francisco incubator as mostly a backup for four years before he became a starter. So uh, I don't, that would not be an analogous situation. Um, yeah, you have to go back. Tough. You have to go back very, very far. Uh, maybe maybe Terry Bradshaw. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're really hoping that uh, that Drew can really break a mold in that case. Exactly. All right, guys, before we get out of here, got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Speaking of our friends, a lot of you guys have switched over to Green Mountain Dental and have told us fantastic things that they treat you like family and that they're great people to visit. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. And when you do, let us know how your experience was because our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental. And she said it was the best dental experience of her life. They treat you like family, guys. They send you birthday cards. The dentists call them themselves, call you themselves to see how you're doing a couple of days later. It really is the best care in the dental industry. So make sure to check them out, Green Mountain Dental, and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. You get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you take care of your teeth and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam over at Green Mountain Dental. So make sure to check them out. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver and a longtime DMVR partner. That's Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that free that cleaning x-ray and exam for that free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today. We really, really appreciate it. And we look forward to breaking down the game with you tomorrow. We'll be live on YouTube right around 9 a.m. So make sure to check us 
out for our full game breakdown. And, of course, we'll be dropping it on the pod later in the day. But thank you guys so much. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Thursday.